All right, welcome to another episode of Out From The Cube. We are very fortunate that today we have Kathy Randall with us, and she is a connection that I've, I've just met today. Super excited about this connection, and she was brought to us as the first guest uh, that uh, we're kind of doing with Joe as our co-host, but Joe and I got together this past weekend or through emails or a phone conversation, and he said, hey, there's somebody I would love to have on our podcast um, as our first guest where there's three of us. And he suggested Kathy Randall, who's here in St. Louis. And we've just met here in the past hour or so. And I'm super excited about having you. I, I, this is what I want to do. I know exactly where I want to start. And um, I wanted to first welcome you to the show and appreciate you making time. We had a fair amount of technical hiccups to get going, but I appreciate you, uh, you know, surviving that with us and being available that we could you know, go for 45 minutes or so here. So Kathy, welcome to our, you know, our podcast. I'm here in an unfinished basement, but it, it, it'll work for us for today. Exactly. Thanks. I'm honored to be the first guest of this co-host format. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. 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 So um, all sorts of experience. I have read your bio. I've, I've been on LinkedIn. I've hit a couple pages that you reference in your LinkedIn, and there's a lot to unpack with your your experiences and the things that you would like to share with us and the things that I'd like to kind of get into. But there was one thing out of all I read about you and uh, the bullet points that you may have that, uh, that you are, are an expert in or the value that you provide to customers or your clients or uh, where you work is this. And I'm just going to read it. It's not, uh, it's not long or anything. It's just really three or four words. It says that you are known as an influencer and as a cheerleader. And I stopped there with, with your bio and loved it. I loved it. Absolutely loved it because there's something about the two phrases, uh, the two words in there that uh, immediately attracted to me to your your message, to our conversation, to me trying to learn more about you. And it was influencer and cheerleader. And, and I just love those two words so much in terms of leadership, in culture development, in team dynamics, in relationships, in friendships, in raising my children, in all this sort of stuff that I'm super passionate about. Those two words are so powerful and they caught my attention immediately. And I want uh, I want your perspective on those words and why, why you included them in your bio. Well, I think if we've learned anything about uh, present day things going on in our society, it's that words matter. And mm -hmm. I like to call myself a professional storyteller. And I really believe stories are at the core of any successful marketing communications campaign because that's how people relate to stories that um, are compelling or examples of things that they can relate to, right? So I think when you can um, share a strategy or align people to purpose within, with, by communicating that in a way that they understand it, that is that helps influence their behavior, helps them understand it. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the thing, aligning people with the, with the purpose, like the purpose of a company, a team, a product, a uh, you know, service, right? Is the alignment of of a group of people to a purpose um, is is terribly hard, right? If that were easy to do, right, we'd all be knocking this out, right? But aligning, uh, tell me your experiences in that, in getting going in. It, let, let's start here. What do you do? Like, what is your what is your niche, and what do you do? Yeah. 
Well, I again, I say I'm a professional storyteller, and really I have a passion for helping organizations communicate to their audiences, both internally and externally. So what does that mean? That means internal communications. That means executive communications. That means um, public relations. So really um, reinforcing culture, elevating thought leadership, telling a company's story in the market, who they are, how they provide value to their clients. And really, again, I try to drill down to that most personal level, because when you can tell the story that's going to resonate with another person, that that's what goes far, right? That's what's really going to be, you know, um, relevant. So I use stories to really demonstrate all those examples of uh, what a company's mission is and how individuals can play a role in a lot of times, have you ever worked someplace or maybe people in the audience can understand, um, what am I doing? How, how, is, how is my role in an organization really aligning with the company's mission and purpose? Mm-hmm. Well, if I can demonstrate through a story how someone in different roles can do that, you know, people then can see their purpose in that organization. Really want to get like foundational to it. I use four guiding principles when I'm developing internal communications. It's inspire, inform, engage, and empower. So inspire is you want to um, create a compelling vision for the people and have them understand what that is. And you don't just say it once, say it repeatedly. Maybe have it be a takeaway in a town hall that you give them that they can put on their desk. Have it be in digital communications around the office or the campus. Um, Then the other one is inform. You need regular channels of communication, like intranets. We all know intranets, but maybe it's everything from a newsletter to emails, to a town hall meeting, to a leadership meeting. You really need to find a way to get people understanding what's going on in the business, what successes are we having, things like that. Um, Then I said empower. And really, um, that is about giving leaders the tools and resources they need to cascade the information. Because a lot of times, most of the communication employees are getting is really one-on-one or in those team meetings. And if a leader can't have that doesn't have the tools they need to convey that information, maybe a fact sheet, maybe talking points. It's hard for them to do that, right? And we know some leaders are naturally good at communicating, others aren't so. And so they need kind of a toolkit to help them in that. And I really, the fourth thing was about um, engaging. And that really speaks to letting people be part of that process, especially in a change situation because people really need to feel that they are involved and um, have some buy-in, right? Does that make sense? So I've created teams where they were change champions, where we identified influencers within the organization so we could really understand what concerns and questions that people had were, and it would give us an opportunity to um, maybe anticipate those questions or answer those in other um, forums. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think those are, I mean, so what I wrote down was inform, engage, empower, inspire. So when you talk about those four, are we talking big change, little change? You know, when, 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 you know, if I'm a leader of people, when do I use those four? Is that, you know, in a small team setting? Are we doing this all the time? Like, 
Well, I see that as being my role as the mm-hmm. communications person okay. in wanting to, you know, check all the boxes, right? Mm-hmm. When I'm developing a plan. Yeah. And so um, not necessarily drilling down as much to those individual managers, but I suppose mm-hmm. they could look to those too, yeah. right? Um, because I see that being more part of the communication mm-hmm. strategy, the overall communication strategy. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Okay. No, that does. When, yeah. When you, when you go into these companies, are you trying to enhance an existing culture or are you also brought into like, Hey, Kathy, I need your perspective on this. Like, what are we doing wrong? Like, what do we need to change and how do we need to think? Or are you just amplifying and enhancing maybe an existing culture or maybe you do both, right? Are you brought in to kind of build that culture and give a perspective or enhance one? I'd say yes and yes. And all of the above, right? <laughs> Everything is different. So mm-hmm. there's one company that, um, I'm working on a proposal right now where they need to promote a specific product. And my first question to them is, so let's identify all the different audiences that you have to communicate to. And then let's zero in on what are those goals and what are those messages? And once we've kind of identified all those, let's prioritize them. So who is the most important audience for us to talk to right now, right? And how are we going to measure that this is successful? I mean, what does success look like, um, you know, when we're doing that? And I think that's a great place to start. It sometimes, I think, is helpful to be on the outside looking in, you know, not in an organization, because sometimes I think you get too close to a situation to really um, evaluate objectively and I'm on the outside and I can say, let's start with a clean slate. Let's identify all the audiences. You know, let's take a step back and make sure that we are um, communicating to the people that we need to communicate. And then there's a lot of times where I do think that engaging employees and helping them understand the importance of culture and the history really does help um, boost morale in an organization. I had a campaign once uh, that I developed called My Best Day Ever, where people were, you know, asked to submit in 300 words or less, what was their best day ever at that company? Think about it. Think about places you've worked. And if you could um, share your best day ever, it's going to be something where you felt pride, where you made a contribution, it was meaningful. And um, we thought we would get a few entries. We got so many entries and people were videotaped sharing um, their stories about their best day, how they contributed, how they felt um, recognized. And um, it not only helped boost morale and it was also um, celebrating a milestone in the company, but it also helped with recruiting because we shared those videos on YouTube and social media channels. And on our website, we had a landing page just um, highlighting some of those stories. And so what were some of them? I want to make sure I thought I thought I heard you say a couple, but, you know, I mean, if I'm running a business, what were some of those themes that people said were best day? I heard you say some recognition. Was that kind of the common theme or was it all over the board? They were all over the board. I mean, the president even talked about opening an office in a different part outside of St. Louis in a different um, community where it made them realize that they were really building up and being a part of that community. And, um, you know, they had a lot of the, um, you know, civic leaders that were at that grand opening. And he really felt a sense of pride that he was um, expanding in that market. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. 
when when you say so, the first thing you said was inspire, correct? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make sure I get these as well. So I know you said empower and engage and inspire. And what was the other one? I'm missing an I in there. Well, uh, was inspire, in, inspire, yeah. inform, empower, inform. and engage. Yeah. Right. So that ability, I think that ability to influence and inspire, right? I, those are seem to be words that I use a fair amount, right? Like we've got to be able to inspire our people that their work matters, that they're contributing, it's meaningful work and that they're having, you know, they're providing impacts and things of that nature. Um, but again, like you said, this is something that you feel like it's every day, right? Like this is a, a great leaders seem to emphasize the things that are important to them. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about those four things, those are the things that you roll into in a, a consulting gig or uh, like, hey, these are the things that we need to emphasize every day. If we emphasize, you know, the ability to inspire these people and what inspires people and inform people and empower people and engage people. If we emphasize these four pillars, then we start to have these changes of the janitor thinking he's going into space. Right. Those are those are the things that you kind of hang your that you cling to in terms of your consulting and change cultural change within an organization. Yeah, I think some leaders are more inspiring than others. Um, mm. But really, what's your mission, um, vision and values? And do people have a good understanding of that? And, you know, have it plastered everywhere that you can and um, help people really see um, how individuals, you know, play a part in achieving that mis- mission. But not only that, I think your <clears throat> partners mm. and your clients should know what your mission is, because if you're truly partnering with them, they should be part of that. Right. Does- yeah. The thing that thing that's interesting to me with what you what you do, and I think and I don't know if it's challenging for you if you don't come across it very much. When I think about what you have to do, I did this in my consulting days. I'm not a consultant anymore. I'm trying to have impact with where I'm at, with the teams I'm trying to lead and the products and services that we're that we're trying to build. Um, But you get brought in. And I feel like the and correct me if you disagree with this, that somebody will bring you in and say, hey, I need them to change. I need the, I need them to change. I need this. You know, these are some things that I see when you may be looking at it saying, well, we really need to start with you. Like we are your position, these C-suites, these executives that are driving culture and driving the change, but they don't want to change themselves. Right. It's always like somebody else. Have you do you roll into those situations where it's more of, hey, we need to start with you. Right. And in how you're delivering this message and the values that you have and how you communicate and how you inspire, because you even said not everybody can inspire. Right. Well, not everybody has those traits. Mm-hmm. How hard is that to, to have them to have th- those departments, those people, those roles really look inward at themselves for that change? You know, and I think that's something that HR is more more, more of a part of. I have always felt that my role is to guide and recommend and not tell someone what to do. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I offer my, I offer my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that, you know, leaders have different styles of communicating. I can think of one president that loved that I was assertive and brought ideas to him about different ways to communicate and others were more, you know, hmm, yeah, you know, wanted to do it, you know, in a, on his own time, right? So right. I really, it, it's really, uh, I've not been in that situation where I've, I've, I've actually been said to someone, you know, um, 
who there was a leader that someone thought was offending people. And I did say, you know, you can't offend people. You need to inspire them. Um, but that's about as far as I crossed the line there because it's mm -hmm. delicate. Yeah. Right. So Kathy, I also kind of think, I mean, I, I know you've worked up with, with CEOs, executive teams, you know, if you get a new, maybe it's a new CEO coming in or a new leader, whether you're the CEO of a major corporation or you're running a smaller team of 10 people, you know, you, your expertise is a lot in written communication too, um, whether that's email blast to, you know, the large corporation or small. So, um, you know, we talk on this, George talks a lot about on his podcast, just in terms of, you know, leadership skills, but what about the written skills? Like what, what do you put in a message? Like how does, if I'm, if I'm running a small team and I'm trying to create change, what are some of the key things that I need to do in the delivery of the content? Is there certain keywords? Like how do you create that change? It, whether it's a culture change or a process change or whatever that might be, but in a written format, that's not something we talk about often. And, you know, you obviously spend a lot of time writing. How does somebody write that? Some people are great at speaking. They can't, they can't get from here to, to typing. Like what are the key things that, you know, you need to type and kind of focus on to reinforce and well, maybe so, banners or maybe whatever that is to change that kind of the, the messaging from a written perspective. Some of my overall thoughts mm -hmm. on write, written communication yep. is um, less is more, but also, and don't assume that people know mm -hmm. things, you know, mm -hmm. and really basic things like skip the acronyms, yep. right? And also, um, you know, trying to anticipate questions. I find that that's a problem that I have when sometimes people write something, trying to share something that's new with people. Mm -hmm. um, and then I said, well, yeah, but you didn't, you know, this is an obvious question that's just jumping out. Let's answer it in there, right? Because you don't want to um, send something out that's going to create confusion, right? You want to have something that's going to provide clarity, uh, be simple to understand. Um, I think sometimes if something's too long, there's a chance that people aren't going to read it. For sure. Right? I mean, a lot of these things are really common sense, I think, but they are um, issues that happen all the time, right? So if it's a big change, is it verbal first, then written? Is there some sort of, you know, if you're going through a big change, is there a certain process that uh, needs to be followed? You know, how long do you wait maybe before you reinforce this? You know, that's interesting. And I think it really depends on the situation. Mm -hmm. I worked with a president once who said he didn't feel comfortable sharing all the details of a new plan because he said it wasn't fully baked. Okay. Okay. But sometimes mm -hmm. others might say that's too late because people are starting to get antsy and curious and wondering what's mm -hmm. happening, especially when they can um, sense that there's some change that's going to be happening. It's good mm -hmm. to be transparent. Um, I think you really need to... Um, evaluate the situation. I do really think that the, how do you like to get um, information from someone uh, that you work with? I really respect and admire the people who work more closely with me, my team, my manager. It's really good when they're equipped to tell me, you know, what I need to know, but it's also good to know from your executive team, um, you know, how they are, they are the ones I feel that are responsible for that inspirational message, right? Mm -hmm. To really set the, the roadmap that everyone can, can, you know, look towards. 
Right. Yeah. The what I want to circle back on another word that you've used a few times, and and I'm not going to go off on how it's impacted me. Kobe Bryant passed away a year ago in three days, um, and most people know who Kobe Bryant is. I've talked about him a fair amount in my pot in the podcast. Um, you know, top top three, top four basketball player of all time. I, I'm more uh, amazed and inspired by what he did after he. Uh, stop playing basketball. But what he said without going into Kobe Bryant's story, one of the things that he said was he wanted to become a really good storyteller. Like that was really passionate about what he wanted to do and that ability. And I think he actually won an Oscar. I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. For just telling a story about basketball and what it meant to him. And it was, uh, yeah, and he wrote, it may have been based off a book, but it was, Listening to Kobe Bryant, but I, I got really immersed in his content and his message, and it really inspired me, but it was really centered around how to tell a story. And the other day I was listening to Jesse Itzler, who I listened to a lot of, and he was just talking about public speaking. And he was like, one of the first things you need to do in order to be a really good public speaker is you always start with a story. Start with a story, engage people, captivate, inspire, you know, connect with people on that. So when you when Joe told me that and then I did a little research on you, that is and then even your introduction to yourself, you're like, this is who I am. I'm a storyteller. Right. How, how do you how how did you come across that? Like, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I'm into and what I'm good at and passionate about. And then what does that mean to you? Like what what is being a great and what makes a great storyteller? And and how do you how do you use that? I mean, I know that's four or five questions wrapped up in one, but um, you know, how, how do you use that? Uh, you know, that as your in your life, and what makes a really good storyteller? Well, I'm a journalism major, so I really Perfect. think that I bring that reporter's mindset to the corporate environment, and I have an intuitive ability to, as I'm talking to someone, you know, maybe there's something that they did or a success that they had. Um, and they're t- catching me up on things that, that are happening. And I'm like, that's awesome. Sometimes it's really obvious that you've done something good that you want to share with other people in the organization, or you want to share with the New York Times or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's not. And because you're you're doing something like that's extraordinary. We need to tell people about that. Um, we need to share it as a best practice with other people in the organization. Um, mm-hmm. We need to get the client to agree to to let us share that, right? And it's really, again, I it's about people. Uh, the best stories are about people. I, I look back to when I was a reporter and I would get assigned a story from my assignment editor in the morning, let's say at nine o'clock. Kathy, mortgage rates are changing. You know, you have to do a story about this at six o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so who's impacted by changing mortgage, mortgage rates? Maybe I need to find someone who's looking for a house. Mm-hmm. You know, call up a realtor, see if there's a client of theirs that I can talk to. And then you really are demonstrating that story in the most personal way. Right. Um, Because, you know, and yes, maybe you can talk to an expert, too, who can, you know, talk about the financial significance of that. But really what it boils down to is how it's going to affect that person, you know, looking for a house or selling a house right Mm. and um and that's who you want to hear from and that's who the audience is going to relate to so that's another big part of telling a story is being aware of who your audience is so you know i was a editor of a blog um, that was about marketing research and there were a lot of topics originally that i didn't really know about right and Mm -hmm. and i would be um sometimes ghostwriting these blogs for these 
um, really intellectual PhDs. Mm-hmm. Um, they would use really big words, you know, I'd be like, what does this mean, right? And I would always try to, you know, um, I don't want to say dumb it down, but simplify it. Right. Uh, so really a general reader could understand it, but also being aware that the audience is going to be a little bit more sophisticated because they're reading it, they know the industry, but that's something to consider too when you're mm-hmm. when you're telling a story is who's your audience and what level um, are, are they, you know, are they going to be able to read it and understand it? Mm. Now, and, and I don't know this for certain. I just saw a picture of you in your reporting days on one of your website. And I caught what caught my eye in the picture was in the lower left-hand or right-hand corner. It said Las Vegas. So yeah. were you a, <laughs> and I picked that up and my immediate thought was, all right, a journalist, a storyteller in Las Vegas that there might be, there's probably no shortage of content for you out there. Is that where you were? Did you spend some time or a fair amount of your time in Las Vegas? Yes. And actually, I think I've told Joe this maybe. I like to call myself sometimes a Las Vegas, former Las Vegas showgirl, but the show was Eyewitness News. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of, I use that in my two true, you know, two truths and a lie kind of stories. Oh, right, right. But, um, because it really was, you know, but some people roll their eyes and like, you were a showgirl? No kidding. Eyewitness news, right? Get it? You know, <laughs> but, um, and I was the gaming reporter at the CBS affiliate and the weekend anchor there. So that was really interesting. Gaming is in, you know, not video games. A lot of people think of that, but gaming in right. Las Vegas is casinos, right? And um, uh, so that was um, exciting. It was, I was there in the early yeah. 90s when, um, you know, there was an explosion of growth and Steve Wynn was building things in the MGM and the Luxor and Treasure Island. Yeah. I covered those grand openings. Um, there are a lot of interesting wow. live shots that I did with, um, you know, a lot of gaming executives. So. I think that's great. I mean, I think, you know, for somebody that loves to tell stories and and loves to create content, I'm guessing, and loves to have, you know, and, and tell these great things that are going on, what that just seems like an amazing opportunity for you to be there in when all that is happening. So for somebody that loves to craft stories, loves to interview people and loves to like, what a great experience out yeah, there in, Vegas at that time. in the gaming industry. It's not that you're a, a reporter doing other things and you know, that maybe people do outside of Las Vegas, but that's very niche, very focused on, on in Las Vegas that you don't get anywhere else. Right. That's, that would be for somebody like you, I would think just perfect. Right. Yeah. And Las Vegas though is a great news market. Because when I was there, it was also the fastest growing school district in the country. Um, It was a big place for retirement. Um, uh, UNLV running Rebels were great. And Jerry Tarkanian was there. Oh, yeah, right. The early 90s. You've got Nellis Air Force Base. Um, Not that far from there. You also have um, like Area 51. You have, um, you know, like uh, a test site where I think they had... um, developed and tested the stealth um, fighters. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of great news stories. I, in fact, this is kind of a negative though, whenever there'd be a mass shooting or some really terrible story, we would call up Metro police to see if the perpetrator had a record in Las Vegas, because usually if they were some nefarious person, they had come through Las Vegas at some point. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Right. So when um, when you're 
when you're, this is my bad. This is my, my kind of story was, well, I, I coached college basketball for a while and I invested so much in college basketball. And when I got out of it, I was like, man, I wasted so much of my, you know, of my twenties and thirties for something I'm never going to use again. And now what I'm finding out is, man, everything I did from my twenties to 34, 35 in coaching is really serving me right now. So you spent all this time in journalism. And then you got out of it. I don't know the story of you getting out of it and not and not involved in that anymore and that career change that you had. Um, but I, I would think for where you're at, what you're doing and the, the value and impact you're trying to have with your clients, that that part of your life is really of service to what you're doing right now in the, the second part of your career. Is that is that a fair assessment? Does that did that really serve you? Completely. I yeah. actually have sometimes shared with people um in, in situations, um, there's an article that actually I know the person who wrote it. She is a, um, a friend and former colleague of mine, and she works for, or she used to work for, the Pointer Institute. It's like a journalism think tank. And she mm -hmm. wrote a story about why you should hire a former journalist. And mm. like, <laughs> Perfect. Bullets, like right. uh, you know, resourcefulness, you know, think on your feet, um, you know, and all these different, you know, and, and I think that it makes a lot of sense because I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. I have a bias towards hiring journalists too on my teams. And, you know, uh, I've worked, you know, with corporate communications and so people need to be good writers. Um, but when I find out that they're a former journalist, mm -hmm. they definitely, um, you know, that's great. That's I've thought that about journalism too. So my my brother, I, I my brother and I are very close, and I I look up to him immensely. And uh, my brother did two really smart things in his life. Uh, he's done many smart things in his life. The two that stand out for me for where he's at now in his career is he he took acting classes in high school. So he was in high school plays. So learn and he did improv stuff. And he guy. was and he was a journalist. He started writing for local newspapers out in the Seattle area where we grew up. And both of those, he's 50 now, serve him so much in his career. And he hasn't done that, you know, in 30 or 40 years, but it was just that acting and improv, speaking in front of people and knowing how to you know, pivot and change and do all that. But then learning how to write and learning how to ask questions and learning how, you know, learning where the story has really served him. So I think you're absolutely right. I think that is such a valuable thing. Um, when you, when you say, go ahead, I'm sorry. You mentioned that you knew my former colleague, Jesse Wolfersberger, yeah, right, right, yeah. chief data officer, but he started his career as a sports reporter and that mm -hmm. has enabled him to be able to work with data in a way that he can sort and filter and analyze it to tell the story. Yeah. Right. Cause he knows yeah, how right. to do that. Yeah. It's, um, you know, and I've talked to my boys about that, but that is like, when you say let me, and this is a very naive question, very uh, probably a dumb question. When you say journalism and I see you, uh, I, I, I hear you paint this picture of being in Vegas and going to the Wynn Resort and interviewing these people. And I, I picture you with a cameraman and a microphone doing all this. Um, but journalism, but also you have this great ability to write and convey and create culture and change and things of that nature through wit written word. How much of your background in journalism is it wasn't just being in front of a, a camera and interviewing people, but was actually learning how to write, learning how to convey, learning how to uh, tell that story on paper, like Joe was asking about. Well, that's like journalism 101. And I remember one of my professors telling me that um, 
uh, his wife had gotten a job uh, with a computer company and they wanted someone who didn't know much about computers because mm. she was writing to an audience who was at that same level. And so they didn't want to be speaking above their audience. Again, this is like, you know, goes right. knowing your audience. So, um, you know, I can remember though, some of my, you know, cause I was in broadcasting. So there's a lot of lessons learned there that, um, you know, come from experience mm -hmm. and getting it wrong or, you know, right. <laughs> I can think of, um, uh, I was in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, doing a story out with an intern on air out with my videographer. And one of the simplest lessons I learned was when it's 10 degrees, the ink in your pen does not work and you can't yeah. take more, right? You know, like there's a lot of things like that, that, right. I, that you know, I'm like, okay, well now I'll use pencils, right? You know, I mean, yeah. you know, if you're a reporter in Wisconsin in the middle of winter, um, mm. you know, so I think that there are a lot of things that I've learned really by experience too, especially in crisis situations, um, you know, uh, because you don't have a lot of time to think. Um, sometimes you prep for those things, sure. but there are things that have been thrown at me that definitely been first time experiences that I just have to rely on my best judgment to figure out what to do, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I can think of, there was a employee that suddenly died on campus. Natural causes we found out. I wasn't there the day mm -hmm. that it happened, but the HR person had reached out to me. I was on vacation and had said, you know, sent me this email that the president was gonna send out. Kathy, we wanted you, you to review this before this goes out. And I was like, oh my God, she died on campus. And, um, mm. and I said, one, you have to say it was natural causes somewhere. And she said, but they don't know that. I said, well, was she stabbed? Was there a gunshot? Yeah, mm. they, it was natural causes. <laughs> worry about, you know, whether that was, because you don't want to- That's a great it. perspective. Yeah. And, um, you know, because it was really good that I was not even there when I got it because it was alarming when I read it. I thought, oh mm. my gosh. And then I also suggested, well, wow, people are probably really torn up about this. If they knew her, let's put something in there about the employee assistance program. You know, so, I mean, you just kind of, even though it was a situation that I had never confronted before, had to confront before, um, you, you experience does help, right? Yeah, and, right. Yeah. yeah. You think of all the things that you're thrown at. I mean, geez, situations like that, that you're covering, you know, maybe it's a great sports story mm -hmm. or, you know, I mean, you're, you're covering people at their best and covering people at their worst and having to connect with whatever the experience is that you, you know, maybe it's a live crash scene or it's, you know, I mean, you, you name it or something heroic, like, and being able to connect with people that that's, that's well, whether I, it's good times or bad, right? I yeah. can think of a story that I did when I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where five seventh grade girls were standing on the corner of someone's house and they got hit and killed by a driver who they found out later it had an epileptic seizure. He was a mm. young boy in that community as well. And it was a terribly tragic um, accident in Pulaski, Wisconsin. I was mm. somewhat of a green reporter. Um, I We did many, many stories on it. There was national media there. Mm. And um, I can remember trying to tell the stories to make it more personal 
to the audience and reaching out to people who knew the girls and really getting doors slammed in our faces, you know, and like the nerve of you to be, you know, you vulture, TV news vultures. But that's how you really get the story to um, resonate with people. But I had done one story um, on this one girl where I interviewed her friend, I interviewed the principal. And I think it was not even until a year later where her family had reached out to the station for a copy of that because they wanted that to memorialize her, to remember her, they really liked the story. So at the time though, it was just too close. Right. They you know, right? And yeah. you don't wanna add any more grief to yeah. a family in that situation, but really that's how you tell a better story. I mean, yeah. think about when there's tragedies, when you're hearing the personal aspects of those people's lives, right? Yeah. That right. Really means it's much more meaningful to you, but it's not yeah. always easy for the reporter to get that information, I've been flipped off. I've been, you know, and you just feel terrible because you don't want to, you know, have that. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. right. There, there's, I know we, we're running a little short on time. Um, and I, I want to, there's two, two last things I'd really like to get into uh, in the last, you know, five to seven minutes that we have here. Next to, uh, behind you is the book, Good to Great. Love the book. <laughs> I, I think that's Good to Great. It looks, it looks very it similar is. to my great book, right? Um, but next to that is an Emmy Award. Yeah. Right. And so you, you've got an Emmy award. You showed it off before we started. And um, yeah, I'm not going to ask for you to, you know, uh, to go grab it or anything and show it in front of the camera <laughs> that we have here, but, but you won an Emmy, right? And, okay. and so I'm, I'm curious about the process. Of the Emmy. Tell us about your Emmy award. Oh, Joe, come on. You know, the whole story here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm comfortable with. You can keep it short. No, yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, we have, we have, okay. you know, about seven well, minutes. And I, 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 I have one, I, I have won an Emmy before. This one is not my Emmy. The, the crew that put the story together gave it to me because they want it about my story. And so I just hmm. got it Tuesday of this week. I you just almost, got it. I almost, yeah. So that's why I was telling oh, Joe, wow. I almost cried when I opened the package. I was not expecting it. They won it in November for a story they did at, at my wedding in 2019 about the reunion of my birth parents. Um, at my wedding for the first time since the night I was conceived. I'm adopted. I had met my birth mother when I was oh, 32. Wow. I met my biological father a few years ago. They both were invited to my wedding. It was a crazy story. I crazy a great thing. A wonderful when you, to adopt. Yeah, when you say when you say they, who who is they? Like who who won the Emmy actually on your okay. story? So it was a good friend of mine from journalism school. His name is Ted Perry. He's the main anchor at the Fox station in Milwaukee. He and his photographer, Jerry Imig, were at my wedding and their producer, they won the Emmy and um, he's won a boatload of them, right? So he said, let's give this one to Kathy because really he, in this um, note that came with the Emmy, he said, Kathy, um, we feel so bad that we were at your wedding and we didn't give you a gift. We hope this makes up for oh, it. Um, this perfect. is your Emmy. Um, it's your story. We were just honored to tell it please take care of her. And I was like, what a gracious oh. gesture. It was, it's really profound. Isn't that nice? Now where, uh, how was that? Was that like a news story on the news? Is that what you're saying it was? It was a news story yeah, or was there? It was, he did it really. It was a long story. It was like seven plus minutes long. It aired mm -hmm. during sweeps month in November, which is their ratings. So it was a promoted story. Um, 
he's their main anchor there. He does the series called Perry's People. So it was one of his Perry's People story. And oh. I didn't even know, I, I knew he liked the story, but I didn't know he was going to submit it for an Emmy. And then, um, so I was, I was so touched when he even submitted it for an Emmy. Mm -hmm. And then um, that it won was just crazy, right? And then they yeah. sent it to me. So this story I keep saying gets better and better all the time, right? Now, you said when I asked that question, the first thing you said was that, 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 that you did not win that Emmy, but you have an Emmy that you did win. What's the Emmy you did win? The Emmy, and I had to check it out because it's a certificate. I didn't get a trophy because there were several people in my newsroom in Las Vegas that won the Emmy for coverage that we did on um, the Stratosphere Tower fire. So it was like a um, spot news, live news coverage. And I mm -hmm. played a big part in that. And so there were several people. I think the station probably has the actual trophy. Does that make sense? But Yeah, right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Good. Well, the the last question I have, um, and and Joe Joe may have others. Um, I know we're running short on time, but it's really impressive and it is inspiring. You're the first eye that that you had when you try to lead teams, change culture, enhance culture. I I, I like to say um, is, is that inspiration. So your story's great, I, and I really appreciate Joe connecting with us and you having time to make this conversation, uh, have time for this conversation. The question I have is, you know, as we wrap up, is what what is the the perfect job for you, the perfect role, the perfect client, the perfect value that you can provide to, uh, you know, what, what are you on the hunt for professionally that, that really is your passion and something that, um, that you can see yourself doing or want to be doing? Well, you know, this may sound kind of heady, but I do have what I call my higher purpose. And it's really just to make a meaningful contribution to an organization and really mm -hmm. that's through communication one and to aligning people to purpose. So if I feel that I can provide value through telling a story, either internally or in the market, um, then that's going to be fulfilling to me. And really, it's my passion. So I love what I do. I even, just for fun, shoot wedding videos for friends and families because I like, you know, putting the, mm -hmm. the video and the story together where I interview the parents, I interview the couple, I kind of tell their story. Yeah. I, and I and I, I mentioned that I, that was my last question. I lied. So I do have one. <laughs> no, the one thing I want to do on the podcast and I and I really like this idea on the podcast. And this is um, I thought about this last night. Um, and Joe and I've talked a little bit about this before um, is that I, I think it's important that we have people around us and in our lives uh, that we know who we can celebrate with. I think that a lot of the people that I'm, that most people, maybe, maybe we don't like to kind of flex and puff up and be the proud of what we're doing and things like that. But on occasion when great things happen for us, we need to have people that we celebrate with. You know, I, Joe's a very good friend. If something great happens in my life, I know I can call Joe and I can kind of say, Hey, this, I did this, we did this, I accomplished this, my, you know, whatever it is. And I know that he would be there to help me celebrate. So I, I say that because, I'm interested on something that you're really proud of in your professional career, something you did, something that you may say, hey, even if you say we did this, but something when you reflect back on your career, what is the big celebration? What is a big, big time proud moment for you that you sit back and say, I remember when we did this or when I did this. And uh, what, what would that moment be? What would be something that would immediately come to your mind that you would just say, you know, this was special to me? You know, I'm fortunate to say that there are many of them, but the one that really um, jumps out is an award that I got from 
uh, high school girls softball team in Las Vegas when I did a story about them winning state. They were in, three of the girls were in an accident and they were in the hospital. And I had followed their whole um, journey when the girls won the championship to get to state. We covered the game where they won. Then they called me, the only person they called, to come to the hospital as they brought the trophy and medals oh, wow. from the hospital. And it was triumph over tragedy. So it doesn't end there. The story was phenomenal. It's a great story. It was the lead of our news that night. And um, they invited me to their high school um, sports awards ceremony. <laughs> now when you were in high school, you had one of those things. Yeah, right? Right. And I got to go, they got me a plaque. I had invited my boyfriend at the time to come with me and um, they played the story, but really it was so touching. They presented me with this plaque. I still have it. It's in um, it's downstairs hanging on the wall. It's kind of ugly because their, um, their logo was like pirates. So it's like this pirate with cross and baseball bats, but um, it's really sweet. The thought behind it. And I, I really cherish it. That's cool. That is great. That's a great story. It's, it's funny uh, when you ask people about, you know, what they're proud of, what they've done, uh, stories that have impacted them, uh, you know, through their, how immediately people just light up. You lit up telling that story, right? That means a lot to you. I mean, it's cool because I picture on the other end, I've received a few messages from, from people celebrating things they're doing and you can just feel it. Right. You can feel the energy and you can feel how proud they are. And then I feel it that they feel good that they are able to share that with me well, and all that. So, you know, I really I really like that. It's like the best day ever. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, it goes back to what you said, too. She she made a difference in somebody's life and that's what she wants to do. And she wants to continue to do that. And you made it through that team and you made a difference yeah. and an impact and, and just speaks to who you are. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I know we're over time right now. I, you know, I, I want to honor your time and the commitments you have. I think uh, Joe said something earlier. You might be going, uh, you might be having an anniversary or something or uh, with, with you and your husband, maybe tonight or this weekend. Yeah. No, um, it's today, four years. I met him four years four. ago today. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Well, good for you. And congratulations. Um, how can people track you down? Um, I know you're on LinkedIn. What, can you tell people the best ways or the social media platforms that you're on so people can track you down and connect I with you? LinkedIn is the best way. Kathy Randall. Um, it says I'm director of communications and a professional storyteller. So that's great. Big time. Great. Well, I really appreciate your time and getting to know you, Joe. I appreciate you connecting us. But, you know, I I love sharing, uh, you know, people's message. And, you know, I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And I know the four pillars that you said, I'm, I'm sitting there reflecting on them, making sure I write them down or go through these show notes, because those are the things that I'm looking for. Like, those are huge action item takeaways for me. Like, no question. Like, how we can inspire and inform and engage and encourage. I think those were Empower. the things. Right? Empower. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, like, how can we do that? How can we build that culture uh, every day based on those four pillars? And where would we be six, eight, 12, 16 months down the road as a company, as teams, as individuals? Man, we'd be, it'd be amazing. Like if we could, you know, do that at all A plus levels. And so those are my big takeaways uh, for today. I'll have um, Kathy's information in our show notes so you can track her down. Um, I encourage you to connect with her on LinkedIn, send her a note. Um, I'd encourage us, uh, 
to be connected with one another, to not just be contacts with one another, right? Uh, but to really have those people that we're connected with, that we can celebrate with, that we can flex and puff our chests up with, you know, of the great things that are going on in our lives. We all need those things in our lives. We need those people in our lives that we can celebrate with. And so I appreciate you sharing your celebration story with us. Um, but reach out to all of us. Joe's on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and we appreciate everybody listening. And Kathy, really appreciate your time on a Friday night of yep. all things when you have other things you you know uh, other things that are more important than hanging out with me and Joe but really appreciate <laughs> you <laughs> thank, thank you